Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I am your host, Special, and on this podcast, I do one of two things. Either I'm highlighting brand new music that's dropped, or I'm sitting down with artists to break down everything you don't know and should know about their latest projects. If that sounds good to you, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. This episode is with Bodega Bams. We talk about his latest project, Poppy, and we went into everything, including having his dad on the intro, using his dad's illegal immigration card as the cover art. We talk about the stories behind songs like Broke, Band-Aid, Mad, 119th, and Terror. We talk about what's his favorite song to perform live and the hardest song to make on this project. And then we go into him as a rapper, why he doesn't see himself as a storytelling rapper, what his creative process is like as far as puzzle pieces, and a common theme on this show, we had to talk a little bit about microwave raps. So let's get into it. So we got Bodega Bams here, a.k.a. Poppy, a.k.a. Young Don Francisco, a.k.a. El Nino. How you, how you doing? Chillin', chillin', chillin'. I'm so happy to have you here. I want to break down everything the people don't know and should know about Poppy. Let's get it. So we got to start out with the title. Of course, stands for Pride and Powerful Individuals. Yep. Term of Endearment. And just a moniker for the Drug Dealer Connect. It makes sense that you made that the title, but what was the real thought process? Just to be different, um, like... I'm also a consumer, so I see what's going on with other artists, and I just wanted to do something different, you know what I mean? And I feel like it's not machismo to call yourself Poppy, right? Like, a lot of people don't like to call another man Poppy. So I was like, all right, cool, you don't have to call me Poppy the way my girl called me Poppy, but call me Poppy because if you break it down, we proud and powerful individuals. So I just wanted to get, like, kind of, like, I don't want you know, get deep with the meaning and just do something different. And, you know, and that's what, you know, Ola said, let's put the illegal alien immigration card. That my, that's my dad. That's my dad actually in the picture. So just like I said, man, just scoping the scene, scoping what came before me, what's out now. Like, I just like to be different, man, and like to do shit differently. Now, that's super dope. And you mentioned the cover, which is your dad's illegal immigration card, which is super dope. But then he's also on the intro. Yeah. No. But Hello. My name is Placido de la Rosa. I am 61 years old. I came to this country in 1979 illegally. Um, I work very hard all my life. I told my son, I go down and they go up. This arbor is dedicated to all proud and powerful people from my son, Bodega Band, Tamboys. What was it like having him on the intro? So what's fire is that we literally came up with that intro a week before we dropped. Word. So Ola was like, yo, you know what would be dope? If we get by on the intro. So I said, all right, oh, so let him say this. So, I, you know, my father, he ain't. You know, he's, his his English is real broken, so you got to tell him what to say. So, But he's super charismatic, you know what I mean? So I knew that anything we tell him, he'll, he's going to throw his own sauce on it. So I told Ola what, to tell him what to say, and I gave him kind of like a little piece of what to say, and he took over, you know what I mean? So that literally came like a week before we dropped the album, man. And I, I felt like that was super, super, like, now there's nothing missing to it. In my opinion, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm always an artist that when I drop music, especially albums, like, I always feel like I could do something else. It'll literally have that feeling like an hour before I drop. Like, damn, I should have said this. But I feel like that intro, how Ola did that, was literally like the missing part to that album. Because mm. it kind of introduced my father and tied him in with the cover. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And then the other part I like is the cassette tape. What was the idea behind that? Ola, too. Ola too, man. Yeah, Ola. And you know what's crazy? I was really not for it. 
at first because I didn't want to sound old. I'm like, cassette tape shit, that, like, that's even before my time. You know what I'm saying? So for us to bring that back, and Ola was like, nah, man, that shit sound fire, bro. It's cool. It's cool. So I kind of like trusted my brother Ola, but that was his idea as well. The other cool part about the intro track is you incorporated the live performance aspect. What was it like including that? Um, that was a no-brainer. Mm. Um, because when I go on tour, when I do shows, I, I do that chant, Poppy. So that was like like second nature. Like, yo, let's use, because we do it so much that it wasn't like we were digging for that. Like, it was literally always there. So we was like, you know what? Let's use that as an intro. Let's use them chanting Poppy because that's how it be. P-A-P-I, yeah. Poppy, P-A-P-I. So I just want to also bring the listener who hasn't seen me live mm. into what a live show would be like. Nice. You know, speaking of live shows, what's your favorite song to perform live? That's that's a good question, man. I mean, I have a I have a lot of songs that are like fan favorites, right? So like a song like "Bring 'Em Out with Me" and "Flatwood Zombies," I don't have to say my my verse. Like I literally could just put the mic like this and people gonna sing it. So I love performing that because it makes it easier too. You know what I mean? I got a song called El Rey that is super rap and it's just super hard and it's just super passionate. I love to perform that because I really get lost in the performance. But honestly, like, there's not too much, like, a more of a favorite. I, I just love to perform. Mm. Like, I really, really love to perform. Like, I love to get on stage. I love to give the, the audience my all. I don't drink no more like that, you know what I'm saying? But I remember, like, now that I, I kind of, like, perform, like, in a, on a sober tip, like, it's more, like, intimate for me now. Because when I was performing, when I was under the influence that I was high, like, I'm going crazy. I'm not even thinking. Like, I'm just going ham. And they like that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because they like the whole blood and they like the whole martian. I feel like now it's more, I'm more, like, conservative in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm more, like, just let me savor this moment. You know what I mean? Let me really look at the fans and let me, let me feel them. Because I wasn't feeling no energy. I was going off my energy. You know what I mean? So, but I, I like to perform all of them equally the same. That's so dope. No, you can really feel it now that you're a little more sober. So yeah, that, that's definitely. that's super dope. Then we got to talk about Broke. I love Broke because of the sample, because it creates such a juxtaposition because you're almost angry and kind of venting, but then the sample is like, everything's going to be fine. So whose idea was the sample and how did you incorporate it? Fun fact about that record is a lot of people don't know and... A lot of people don't ask. First of all, that song is from 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn. 2013. So what happened was when I first came on the scene and I first got, you know, I first got known and got my name out there. Like, I really, I, I literally wanted to hit people with another project right after. Like, I wanted to continue that momentum. But then, you know, life got in the way. I started running around. It was the first time I'm really touring. Like, so much shit was happening at once that I didn't have time to do it. That was one of the records that was going to come out after my initial release, original release of When I Got Known. A dude named Shy Guy, he he produced it, and I always loved it. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I love the sample. I love how it, it, it put me. That was really gonna be my intro. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause this is what I'm thinking. 2013. I'm like, I'm gonna drop a new album. I'm, this is gonna be the intro. But then the, the shit ended up just never coming out. So we we came to a point where we like, yo man, like if we don't put this out now, this is never gonna come out. And we need a reason to pull it out. So we said, man, fuck it. Let's put it on this album. And it fit good, too. Because a lot of people don't know that's from five years ago. You know what I'm saying? And that shows you how timeless music can be. Certain songs and just certain artists. Like, like 
some shit, some 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 artists and some songs are gonna be outdated. You know what I'm saying? That's just how it is. But you'll catch a few records that's just timeless that you put no no year on it, and no matter where it drops, it's just gonna give you that feeling. So, yeah. But I, I and I don't remember the actual feel I had when I recorded because it was so long ago, and I was such in a different place in my life. But I probably was feeling that anger, but also feeling triumph because that literally that was around the time when I first started getting known and first started getting fame and first started getting money in my pocket. So I was feeling myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think could have told me nothing. You know what I mean? So I was definitely a braggadocious, but also pain driven on that song. Mm. I love that. Just being able to take those emotions and just bring it all together. And it's like, okay, like I'm a little angry, but I'm kind of, you're kind of flexing at the same time. Yeah. So it was like a nice little element of both of that. Right. Now we got to talk about Band-Aid. It's just basically you kind of putting it out there like, hey, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to look like, which is so important. But I also really want to talk about the title. Why did you name it Band-Aid? All right. So first and foremost, there's a movie. Me and Ola, we, we like big movie buffs. Mm-hmm. We love movies case in point where I'm an actor now, you know what I'm saying? There was a movie called Almost Famous, and in the movie, uh, it's about a, a rock and roll group that they're touring and then whatever. In the movie, they, they, there's a girl, she's like the main character, her name is Penny Lane, right? So she's breaking down to the reporter what's the difference between a groupie and a band-aid. And band-aid was what she was describing as herself, was just a girl that is in, not only in love with the artist, but is in love with the music as well. So... You know, that's basically that's what it is. Like that's why I was like, all right, cool. Like I run, we run into groupies all the time who just love you for the moment, is love you if you hot. But there's gonna be a few girls out there who gonna fuck with you, not only because of your music, but fuck with you. So that's how I came up with the title for that song. And then literally that song is like dedicated to my girl. You know what I mean? And that was the first time I ever did that. Like I've never wrote a song, a good song about a woman in my life ever, ever. And the shit was so surreal when I was writing it. Like there's a line in the song where I say. Champagne and apple juice, what you want to toast, right? And and every time when I was in the studio with Ola and I was writing it, I was sending her references, you know, just like keeping her updated. And when I sent her the champagne and apple juice, what you want to toast, she literally opened her refrigerator and she had champagne and apple juice. Yes. And I had no idea that was happening. You feel what I'm saying? So shit like that was special. Like I'm like, oh nah, this is a different kind of song. Look you in your eyes like why these names stress you? With your heaven sent, like no one to God bless you. You my fast car before I buy, I'ma test you. Never mind the worry, I'ma kiss you on your temple. Don't care about the first class, yeah, we riding coach. The leaps of great papaya, what you like the most? Champagne and apple juice, what you want to toast? Like I said, I dedicated to her because that's around the time when I first met her. And, you know, um, that was almost like my thank you t- for entering my life. Yes. You know, yeah. I love that because I love that movie. Now I got to go back and watch it because I forgot about that part. So that that's super dope. Because obviously I'm a rapper, right? So when I meet ladies... The first thing they tell me is I'm not a groupie. That's the first thing they tell me, right? Almost like that's like the the introduction, right? So I had to break them down like, yo, I know what a groupie is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't got to tell me you're a groupie. I know what a groupie is. Because I've had that conversation about band-aids and groupies ever since I saw that movie and I actually became an artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I can relate to that shit. Like, I've ran into a lot of girls that they just groupies. They just want to fuck. But I've ran into a lot of special girls who just want to be with you and love you for your music as well. You know what I'm saying? So... It was special that I, I kind of like broke that down on my girl and I actually made a song about it. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that so much. We got to talk about Mad. Who did you have in mind when you wrote that? First and foremost, yo, so I have a team, you know what I mean? Of I have a publicist, I have a manager too. And they didn't like that record. They didn't want that record to go on the album. And I was literally 
battling with them like yo this record is fire like what don't you understand to the point where they turned me off about the record i was done with it a few months had went by and I reheard it, and I said, nah, fuck that. This record is stupid fire. Me and Ola was in the crib one day. The beat came on, and it just came to me. Like, mm. I, I, it, it's, it's kind of weird. I really can't tell you where it came from. Like, I didn't have nobody in particular in mind. But I did want to, you know, touch on the stuff like, you know, I can't be mad at certain things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I can't be mad if people don't want to love. I mean, people don't want to support. I can't be mad if you don't love me. I can't be mad if you hate me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't be mad at certain shit because I'm going to do me. And I, and I know at the same time I, I do things that I might get you mad. But that's life, you know what I'm saying? That's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles. So I love that record. That's my favorite record off the album. Nice. I thought your favorite was 119th. 119th was special, you know what I'm saying? Only because I wanted to make a song. So you see, like, you know, back in the day when they had CDs, yeah, they, used the to have the, they used to have the liner notes, the thank yous. I wanted to make a song of liner notes. I, I feel like nobody's ever done that. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, all right, we're going out, so let me give you my shout-outs. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me drop the mic, but before I leave, shout out to Kathy, shout out to... So I literally put that shit in the song, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and I remember Ola, me and him was discussing it, and he was like, no, I don't think it's going... He was like, I don't want it to go on the album, it's too long. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He thought it was too long, but I was like, nah, this is dope. This is fire. And literally, you know what's crazy? Fun fact about that record, too, the original beat I had for it, I couldn't clear it. So my producer had to remake the whole beat. So there's an original one with a, with a different beat on it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I love that record. But I I like Mad because Mad just puts me in the feel. You know, like, 119th is more like a story. Like, you really got to sit down, roll up, drive, or whatever you do, and just listen. Let me invite you to Spanish Harlem. Mm, definitely. And I think it just makes it so autobiographical. The whole thing is very autobiographical. Is that why there was only one feature, or what was the thought process behind that? Yeah, I'm to a stage where, like, I, I, I'm I'm always open to do features, but I'm more purpose-driven and I'm more like passion-driven so features nine out of ten times they have to deal with money right and a lot of times when money is involved it ruins the whole kind of feel for it right because then you become like whoever you get in the feature with you pay them they're they have to get the the, the 16 back because you're getting paid so I'm one of those dudes who you know I, I also be in my own bubble so like if you do see me with a feature with somebody it literally was either I got paid or I really fuck with them and this particular album, like, I just didn't want to do the features. You know what I'm saying? I feel like features are overrated as well. Like, I get a lot of people hit me up, and they be asking for features, and I turn a lot of people down. And, you know, they, you know, I get a lot of messages like, yo, I need this feature, yo. It'll be great for me. And I literally, I appreciate rap and hip-hop and music so much that I don't just take motherfuckers' money. Like, I would tell these people, like, yo, you don't need a feature for me, bro. You good. Like, I'm... You don't think you need a feature for me to be wherever you need to be. You're going to get there regardless if it's your time. And I literally tell people that and say, and I decline if they want to pay me my rate. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm just so particular when it comes to that. So, you know, putting that feature, which was Little Eat, though, because I also I feel like he's one of the best in the game. And he's super underrated. And a lot of people don't know who he is. And I think he's one of the best. So I want to put him on the album as well. Um, And just, you know, keep it real about me. You know what I'm saying? Keep this shit real. Keep the album really about me and not too many features and stuff. Which is super important too because you've been finding talent for years. You know what I mean? Princess Nokia, Flatbush Zombies. Like, there's so many people who you really saw in the beginning and were like, "Oh, you're gonna be good," and they're killing it now. Right. So right. That, that's yeah. super dope. Yeah. Shot. Yeah. Princess Nokia is amazing. Amazing story, man. I'm so happy for. Yes. So happy for. Now speaking of paying for features, terror. I was taken aback by Tara. I, for some reason, I didn't expect you to put all that on wax. I used to idolize those guys for 
from the boogie down. I put my hoodie down, ready power 40 cal. They look like me and talk like my cousins. Let a niggas dress in jiggy, that was something to see. I'm doing me now, even though they dubbed us. Wondering if pun would have loved us. Word. I'm Matt Cuban, so the nigga keep your head up high. Your heart is broken, but as he shoot hair, it's still alive. I met Prospect, and really, I ain't catch his vibe. But who am I, right? Terror Squad, Terror Era, men a lot to me. Men a lot to me. Men a lot to me. I had a manager who told me, let's reach out to Joe. Honestly, I wasn't with it, but I said, let's go. Truthfully, I don't even think that fact Joe know. But they asked me what the budget, and I was like, whoa. Broke my heart, had to laugh it off. I'll be back. And I'm carry on the torch but it's such a good story and such a good idea just of where you're at and how you feel about things. What was it like writing that one? Ola gave me the idea, mm-hmm. and that was that. Like, I just literally just went away. I, I, like, I literally just put pen to paper, and I just literally just went away. And I talked about real stories. Yeah. Like, no fabrications. A lot of people like that record. A lot of people have different perspectives of the record. But to me, it was just a record that I needed to let out. You know what I'm saying? Just people need to hear vulnerability, man. They need to hear, like, how you really feel about certain shit. And, you know, you gotta. it's a thin line because you don't want to come off as a hater or you want to come off as hateful. And I, I'm not neither of those. So it was easy for me to write that record in a good space. Like, because I'm not mad at anything. Like, I'm not, but this is what happened. To also raise, raise awareness mm. to him, to whoever's listening. Like, yo, I'm here, man. Bodega Babes. What's up, man? I fuck with y'all. Nice. And then on this album, what was the hardest song to write? I gotta look through my. Look at the track list. I'm not bad at that. Let me look through this shit real quick. <laughs> wait, 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 man, wait. Yo, pull it up for me, oh. Yeah, I gotta see that, man, cause I I want I want to answer, you know what I mean, like honestly. Uh, wow. Who's the hardest? I I I would say emergency. Mm. Just cause the different kind of flows I was playing with. Yo, literally when I make music, right? I I look at it as it's like a puzzle, and the pieces are all scrambled, right? And when you finish the song, it's because the puzzle was all put together so literally like when I make that's how I approach making songs like it's like a puzzle to me like I gotta put this piece here I gotta say this bar here I gotta say this kind of um this flow here I gotta have this cadence here and it's all gonna come together and sometimes you know when you gotta put when when you got a puzzle like you have a piece and it doesn't fit and you gotta put it out so I would say out of all them joints emergency because um you know, I'm I'm singing on it, and then I'm flowing like Scarface on it, cause we got inspiration from Scarface to make that song. Then I'm doing a different kind of flow. I got like four or five different flows. So I would say, and it wasn't even hard, cause when I'm inspired, nothing's hard. But I would say that that probably that song probably took the most work out of me, and also Band Aid too. I feel like Band Aid took a lot of a lot of work because it's real. When things are real and they're special, like you really want to make sure that everything is said right. You really want to make sure that everything sounds clear. Your words sound clear, like. So Band-Aid too, because telling the story ain't really too, it's not that easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, to actually put a story into raps putting and making it rhyme, like, that shit is not that easy. It might come easy to others, but to me, like, I like my stories to be real potent. I want to paint this picture. I want to show this movie in my, in my song. So I would say, like, Band-Aid and I would say Emergency. It's dope that that's a little more difficult for you, but you don't let it stop you from doing it because you're like your storytelling is incredible to where you see these pictures and like we go on these journeys with you. So it's like, yeah, this might be a little more difficult, but it's so worth it. You know, what's crazy, too. Like, I've never really looked at myself as a storytelling rapper. Right. And 
more and more I'm hearing, like, when, you know, what more music I put out, people really enjoy my storytelling. And I've never really... I, I, like I'm one to feel like I don't tell that good of a story like I'm always beating myself up like nah cause I come from the cloth of like big and you know Nas and yeah. these motherfuckers told stories like Nas told a story about being a gun like it's shit like that so when when I'm thinking about storytelling I'm thinking about those stories you know what I'm saying so but yeah people more people are appreciating my stories and Honestly, I feel like when shit is real, man, and, and it doesn't matter where you from, what walk of life, man, you're going to relate to that shit in one aspect or another. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just want to continue be becoming a better storyteller, you know what I'm saying? And, and say as much truth in my stories as I can. As long as I have the truth, I'm always going to tell a story. And you talked about the puzzle pieces. Is it your preference to hear the beat first and ride to it, or do you have a preference that it just comes however? Um, it's better to hear the beat first than me write to it, but my preference is always just writing. Like, there's been a lot of times where I just write, write, and I literally put it on the beat later. And I might have a little trouble flowing to it because I'm literally putting off the top of my head with no beat in mind. But usually, because I have so many words every single day, I'm always thinking about schemes and rhymes. I got to write these shits down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not in the studio 24-7. But, you know, to make the process easier, like, it would be, all right, put the beat on. But I, to me, like, that's, like, secondary. Like, I don't get inspired that way. Like, if I hit, like, I literally got, just got to write shit. I write it down with no with no beat in mind and then go to the studio and then if I hear it be like, oh, I hear this for it. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of backwards the way I do shit. I mean, I feel like the creative process, there's no backwards or forwards. It's really just yeah. what works for people. So that's super dope. What else should the people know about Poppy? Out now, go listen to it. Listen to it like three times, though. Don't just listen to it once. You got to listen to it couple of times to really get the stories and get the autobiographical yeah man i think i did yeah, exactly I, I just think the, what i want the people to know is i don't have like microwave wraps man this is gourmet over here this shit take time to cook it's like wine you gotta like don't drink it so fast you know what i'm saying like embrace it and that's how i look at my music and i look at this album this album is so special you know like it's not about what's better and it's not about it's about what's what it feels to me i feel like this album was special it came at a certain time where we literally lost our computer with all our sessions a lot of shit variables happen behind the scenes that people don't know just to bring this shit to life you know you would love for this shit to go platinum and all that type of shit but most importantly like just to get it out there is the real task and it's the real goal like i said like i would just want people to really sit down and and, and listen to it and indulge in it you know what i'm saying and, and just because it's one of those albums it's special it's special to me you know what i'm saying it's real especially in the time that we in right now you know what i mean with immigration and it just shows a lot of vulnerability like who's gonna put a immigration card as a front cover, like, that shows vulnerability. That shows that you're not scared of what people going to think. You know what I mean? So it could go either way. I just want people to appreciate it, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like a lot of people do, and that's all I really ask for. Definitely. No, I love it so much. And especially, too, because we talk a lot on this show about microwavable rap and just how it just doesn't feed you. And, like, this is actually something that will feed your soul. Like you're saying, whether you can relate to it, you're going to relate to at least parts of it, and you're going to get that story. It's crazy because... In the times that we in, you know what I mean? And I feel like we all, as artists, we all are guilty of it because we got to go with the times, right? Like, if you want to survive, you got to go with the times. But you can do what you want to do in your time. Mm. See what I'm saying? So, with microwave food, like, when you eat microwave food, it might be good. But I, nine out of ten times after you eat it, you be like, why the fuck did I just eat that? 
And that's how it is with music. Like, a lot of times you'll listen to this shit and be like, oh, this shit is dope. <laughs> then you see the kind of artist they are. Then you see them on social media and you see how they move. And you're like, why the fuck do I like this shit, man? And that's how shit really be, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's, not, it's not a knock to it. Like, these are the times that we in, you know what I'm saying? But through the midst of all that, there's real shit going on. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of real shit going on. There's a lot of real music going on. And it's just about, you know, those fans finding that, them gems. Through the midst of all the madness, there's always a whole bunch of gems around. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and this is the time that I'm in, man. You know what I mean? I, I can't be a microwave motherfucker. I just can't be a dude that just makes music for the moment. I might lose out on a lot of money, but I'm just not, I'm literally a purpose-driven type of nigga. You know what I'm saying? I want the money. I want to be rich. But most importantly, man, like, it's just, I'm about getting the right message out there. I'm about not selling myself short, always being tasteful. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just can't do shit that, oh, it's cool, let me do it. And, you know, people always take time to understand the real, man. When it's really real and it hits you, it you have to sit back sometimes and really analyze it. Like, when it's fast and you, you can just take it for what it is. But when shit is real and you're not understanding that first, you really got to sit down and really like, yo, what's going on? And that's how I feel like my music and my movement and everything I've been doing has it's been like that. Like, I got a whole bunch of people who know Bodega Bams. They fuck with Bodega Bams. You know what I'm saying? And it's about just getting those people and getting more and getting more and getting more. You know what I'm saying? Because the message is real and it's potent. And it's going to be here forever. I'm one of them artists that I'm always going to be here. My name is going to be here. I'm going to inspire the next person. Something about me and my team and my movement is always going to be around. Whether I'm kicking up dust or not, I'm going to be that dude that inspired the next dude. The next dude got inspired by this dude, but it started with Bodega Bams because we just dudes like that. We wave providers. And we appreciate you for it. It's just necessary. We need it at the end of the day. What else is next? What else is next? I mean, just more dope shit, man. There's a show called Smilf. They just got greenlit for a season two. We start shooting in the summer, so catch me on Smilf season two on Showtime. Um, I got a lot of things in the works behind the scenes. Um, shit should be dropping in July. I really don't want to say too much or whatever, but it's big moves. And just more music, most importantly. Just more music, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to be out here and just touch the people. You know what I mean? And just give people a different perspective of me. I changed a lot from the way I came in this game. I'm more business-minded. Like, you're going to see a lot of more merch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm all about my business. I'm all about, you know, making money. I'm all about putting the next person on. So you're going to see a lot of new artists, too, coming from my camp, coming from my dungeon, you know what I mean, and succeeding and becoming stars, because that's what I want to do as well. Like, I don't want to rap forever. I also want to make stars out of other people. That's a goal of mine, man. Like, to see, you know, to take somebody from obscurity or whatever they, their circumstances and making their dreams come true for them. I want to do that as well. I want to be that kind of person that does that. So a lot of, just a lot of dope shit, man, a lot of new shit. Yeah. We're so excited. I love it so much. Anything else you want to tell the people? Man, shout out to San Francisco, man. You feel me? I'm about to go buy um Full House one time, knock on the door. <laughs> I wanted to go to, um what's it called? Um, At, Not Attica. What's it? Alcatraz. Alcatraz. I wanted to go to Alcatraz, but I can't go whatever. I ain't got no time. The crazy thing is it's always booked. Like That's what my man told it's me. It's always sold out. My like, man told me you got you to gotta book like two months in advance. And who does that? Yeah. Like In the jail. Who going to book two months in advance? Like, come on. But yeah, I mean, nah, shout out to San Francisco, man. You know what I'm saying? Shout out, thank you for having me here. No I appreciate problem. the hospitality, man. Um, And I just hope that I'll be back soon. Yes. Yay. Bodega Bams. Thank you so much. Love, love. Ten boys.
And thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Special Delivery Podcast. I appreciate it. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. I'll also have an episode of an upcoming show called Opening Up featuring Bodega Bam. So you're not going to want to miss that. So just hit those buttons. Plus, we got podcasts coming up with Maje, Abjo, Odie, Reggie Snow, and so many more. I'm so excited. If you want to keep up with me, I'm on Twitter at Special Says and on Instagram as well. That's at Special says too. It's easy. <laughs> As always, this episode is dedicated to Marlon. Do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence.